Scripture for this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 4, um, 45, verses 3 through 11, and, chap- and verse 15. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and, what, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you, will, all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brother, brothers talked with him. Have you ever seen one of those reveal shows where Mary sits there with a card to reveal somebody's relationship, whether they're the father or not? I mean, if you see those shows, they always tell you the whole backstory of all the drama that went on in the family before they get to that moment of revelation, whether or not this relationship is, is there. And I can only imagine that when Joseph is before his brothers in the scripture that we are reading today, that was the kind of atmosphere that was in the room. You know, the, the kids put it best. Ta-da! You know, it's that moment of expectation of what exactly is going to happen. But in order for you to understand that, in order for you to grasp that, we have to go back and tell the story. Because the story of Joseph is full of twists and turns. And it's a story that really teaches us so much. You see, often we think of stories of people that go from rags to riches. And often it's a story where they start off down here and they pull themselves up by their bootstraps and somehow, some way, they manage to become extremely successful and then we we see them way up here. But if you know the story of Joseph, it's not a meteoric rise, is it? It looks more like the stock market. Up and down, up and down, up and down. 
And sometimes the valleys are really low for Joseph. So let's go over the stories real quick because I think it'll, it'll really teach us a lot. When you meet Joseph for the first time, he is the youngest brother of 11. And you know, I, like I said to the kids, sometimes the youngest siblings can get obnoxious, right? They just start driving the older kids a little crazy because they get all the attention already because they're the youngest, right? I mean, they, all they have to do is go, I want, and all of a sudden they give them what they want. And the oldest kids, I was the oldest child, and you always look at them and go, they never did that for me. That never happened for me. Why are you doing that for my younger sibling? That should not be. And you can only imagine how much resentment there was already of the 10 older siblings for Joseph just because he was the youngest and he also was daddy's favorite. You know we're not supposed to have favorites, right? But he was daddy's favorite. How did they know? Well, daddy got him this colorful robe, you know? And they're all going, hey, where's my robe? <laughs> How come he gets this, right? But to add insult to injury, we're told that Joseph had a dream. And when he interpreted the dream before his brothers and his father and his whole family, he said, you know what I dreamed? I dreamed you're all going to serve me. You're all going to bow down before me. You're all going to be on the ground right before me. And you know how that went over? Like a lead balloon. His brothers were not happy at all. They began to figure out a way to, to get back at their brother. And you see, nowadays we still have sibling rivalry, right? We still have that today. But at least we don't sell them off in slavery, right? We pick on them. We might torture them a little bit at home. We might not share with them like we should, but we don't sell them into slavery. His brothers decided they were going to kill him first, and then one of them talked some sense into them. And this is how you know that the story is really twisted. When you think selling off your brother into slavery is sensible. And they said, we'll just sell him off. We're going to sell him off to another country. And they took Joseph and they sold him into slavery to the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites went over to Egypt and said, we got some good slaves. What do you want? What do you want? We got a Joseph. And Potiphar goes, you know what? I'm the captain of the guard. I need a good slave. I'll buy Joseph and put him in my house. Now, out of all the houses in all of Egypt that could have bought Joseph, Joseph ends up in the house of the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. And the scripture says that when Potiphar put him in charge of stuff, it worked out. And it prospered. And it was blessed. And Potiphar saw that if he put Joseph to something, it, it did well. So guess what? When you get a winner, start betting on it. You start putting more on it. And before you knew it, he was pretty much in charge of Potiphar's house. And you know, when we read the story, we're going, yes, Joseph, redemption for you. You made it. You finally got out of there. You, you were sold into slavery, but God turned it for good. Now everything's going well for you. Good for you. 
And then we're told the story of Potiphar's wife trying to get with Joseph. You know, whenever we're doing right by God, temptation is going to come for us to do wrong. And the question is, are you going to continue to be faithful and obedient even though it might cost you? Even though it might bring you hardship? Even though it might ruin your good setup? And you know, I read that and I was like, ah, oh, that never happens to us anymore, right? We never get tempted when the things are going well to do something wrong. And then I remembered that I was tempted this week. You see, I have a little app on my phone called Groupon. Some of you use Groupon. Anybody know what Groupon is? Yeah. And I bought last year a coupon for an awesome Brazilian dinner with my wife to celebrate. $65 worth. That thing was expensive. But it was worth it. We left like we couldn't walk anymore. But you know what? They never scanned my coupon. They never scanned my phone. So for the last two weeks, I've been getting notifications from Groupon that I have a coupon to use for a Brazilian meal. Oh, and that little tempting boy said, nobody will know. Go use it. Only you will know. And I had to tell that little boy, no, I will know that it's not right because then I'll be cheating, and I'll be lying. And as a child of God, I can't do that. And you see, that is what Joseph told Potiphar's wife. If you read the story, he didn't say, I don't like you. He didn't say, I, I, I don't want to be with you. He said, it would be a sin before God if I lay with you because your husband has trusted me with your whole household. And it would be a sin before God. How many times do we ask ourselves whether something is right before God before we do it? Instead of just going on impulse or going with the first impulse that we get, the first notion that we get, Potiphar's wife insisted day after day after day trying to get him. And finally, when she couldn't, she framed him, told, told her husband, look, he's been trying to get with me. That Hebrew slave you bought, He's been trying to get with me. And Potiphar got mad. And the scripture says that he took Joseph and put him in the king's jail. He was doing so well. Everything he touched was working. And he gets sent to jail. But you know, when you're faithful to God, even in jail, God will use you. We learned yesterday in work by worship, work is worship, that it doesn't matter what profession you do. It doesn't matter where you end up. If you're faithful to God and you seek God's will, even in those jobs that seem like they're not that important, God can bring blessing and use you for his purposes. And there in jail... Joseph got favor with the warden and got put in charge of the whole prison. And I guess if you're going to be in jail, you might as well be in charge, right? But have you ever heard of such a thing, of a warden putting the prisoner in charge of the whole jail? They might trust you with the library. 
but put you in charge of the whole jail? Only God can do something like that. But you see, God had a plan for Joseph. He, would, he didn't land on just any jail. He didn't go just to any place. He went to the jail where the king kept the important prisoners. And this led to the opportunity for Joseph to continue his journey following God's commands. Because sometime later what happened was that two of Pharaoh's Lead people got in trouble, his cupbearer and his baker. And they both ended at that jail. And guess who got put in charge of them? Joseph. So Joseph is tending to them, and he noticed that both of them are distraught. Well, they were in jail. You would think that that would be normal, right? But something more was going on. He could tell on their face that they were very concerned. He asked, he said, what's up with you? And they said, we have both had dreams. And we don't know what they mean. And Joseph said, let's have them. They told Joseph the dreams. He interpreted them and he told them, Baker, I got bad news for you. Three days, Pharaoh's going to call for you and kill you. Cupbearer, I've got good news for you. In three days, Pharaoh's going to call you and reinstitute you in your place. Three days pass, and what happens? Exactly what Joseph said. And you would think, well, that cupbearer, you know, he needs to pay it back and come back and help Joseph out. Two years go by. Cupbearer forgot all about Joseph after he got out of jail. Have you ever helped somebody or blessed somebody? And once they were out of the trouble, they kind of went on, forgot all about you? And you had that little icky feeling in you, like, really? You just left? You just kept on going? But you know, God has a way of bringing those things back. He's got a way of paying that back to us in his own time and in his own way. So we should never do things expecting anything in return because God knows what he's doing through what we do. And the scripture says two years later, Pharaoh had some dreams and nobody could interpret them. No, none of his advisors, none of the people under him, nobody could interpret the dreams and that was, that's when the, uh, the cupbearer went, I know a guy. Hey, you know what? I know a guy. And we've all done that, right? Somebody says, I need a tree cut. And what do you say? I know a guy. I need some plumbing done. You know what? I know a guy. I know somebody that can do that. I've used somebody in the past. They've got a track record with me. I know of their, of their ability to do this. I know a guy. And the scripture says that at that moment, Pharaoh sent for Joseph in jail. But you know what happens when you're going to go before Pharaoh? You can't come in your prison rags. So you know what Joseph got? A clean shave, brand new clothes, to present himself before Pharaoh. And when he came before Pharaoh, long story short, he interpreted the dreams and he told Pharaoh there's going to be seven years of plenty, there's going to be seven years of famine, and God has given you this revelation so that you can prepare 
And Joseph said, here's the plan. Here's what you have to do. You have to collect in these years so that you have plenty for the other years. And here's how I would do it. And you know, it's so interesting because sometimes we share what we know. We share with somebody our plans. And we don't realize that at that moment, God is preparing a way for us to fulfill those plans. And when Joseph had laid out his whole plan, Pharaoh turned to his advisors and said, where can we find a guy like this guy to do this plan? And he didn't say a guy like this guy who's smart. He didn't say a guy like this guy who's capable. He didn't say a guy like this guy who's a leader. He said a guy like this guy who is full of the Spirit of God. Where can we find another guy like Joseph who is full of the Spirit of God, who was able to interpret my dream? Where can we find him? And the advisors went, we weren't able to even do the dream. And Pharaoh turned to Joseph and said, you're the guy. You're the one that's going to fulfill this plan. And I'm going to give you all authority over everything. You're only going to be second to me in all of Egypt. From jail to second in command. From in charge of the prison to in charge of the whole country. What prison are you managing right now? What situation are you in? that you need a promotion from? And are you being faithful in that place where God has put you? Well, Pharaoh put him in charge, and sure enough, he began to collect grain on the years of plenty. And you know, the Scripture says that he collected so much grain that it was as numerous as the grains of sand in the desert. He stopped counting he saved so much grain. Scripture says that. He stopped counting because the years of plenty were so huge. And, and Joseph was given such wisdom by God that in every city he saved grain. He didn't put it all in one place. He created locations all throughout the whole country prepared for the time of famine. That would come. And when that time came, the famine hit the land. And I don't know if you've ever experienced scarcity of anything, but it takes some time for the effects of scarcity to go from the supply side to the demand side. And, you know, nowadays information travels really fast, so it happens even faster. But some of you remember when fuel shortages happened, and you heard about them coming, and then the pump slowly did what? Before you knew it, you were paying $4 a gallon, right? But it didn't happen overnight. So what happened was the famine hit, Joseph is in charge, and the people start complaining to Pharaoh, hey, we don't have food, this famine is tough, what are we going to do? And you know what Pharaoh said? Go to Joseph. He's going to take care of you. And Joseph began to distribute that food to everybody as, and sell it as needed. And when you're the one 
country in the world that has grain and everybody else doesn't have it, you prosper because you're going to be selling a lot of grain and the price is going to go steadily up. And Joseph was put in a place of great prosperity. But it wasn't just for Joseph's sake. The scripture says that the famine hit Canaan where his brothers and his family lived. And 10 of the brothers are sent by the father to Egypt to buy grain. And they show up and they kneel down before Joseph to ask for some grain, to buy grain from him. They bought silver just like everybody else. And Joseph recognized them. But you can't spoil the surprise right away, right? Joseph sold them the grain, but then he accused them of being spies. He said, you're just trying to find out our weakness so you can come and steal all of our grain. Tell me more about you. And they told him about Benjamin, and they told him about their father. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll believe you when I see this younger brother that you say you have. Bring him back and I'll believe you. And he sold him grain. But then he had the servants put the money back in the sack. So they leave, they go back home, and they open the sacks when they're resting in the middle of the night, you know, for the trip, and they, there's the money that they were supposed to pay for the grain. You know what they said? What has God done to us? What is God? They knew that God was in this somehow. They didn't know why, but they remembered what they had done to their brother. And they said, this is because we sold our brother into slavery. God is paying us back. We can never go back to Egypt. Because surely they'll accuse us of now stealing and being spies. They went back, told their father everything that they had experienced, and their, their father said, in no way are you ever taking Benjamin to Egypt. I'm not letting it happen. I already lost Joseph. I'm not losing Benjamin. But as an, a famine happens, they ran out of food. And guess who was the only country that had food? Egypt. And their father said, go to Egypt and get me food. And they said, we can't go. He said, we couldn't go back unless we brought our younger brother to prove that our word was true. And the father said, no way, no how. I can't do it. I can't lose another son. If you've ever lost a child or know somebody who has, you know that that pain is terrible. And imagine losing a child at a young age like Joseph was when he was sold off into slavery. The father could not bear it. He could not stand the thought of it. But the brothers said, look, this is the only way we're going to get food. We swear on our lives that we're going to bring him back. And the father allowed it. He sent them off with Benjamin. And when they got they got ready to go. He said, take twice the silver. Pay them for last time and pay them for this time. Don't get in trouble anymore. 
set it straight, make restitution. Well, I wonder what Joseph had been doing all this time because I'm sure that he was wondering if his brothers would ever return. But when they showed up, you know what he did? He said to his servants, prepare a big feast for them and tell them that they're going to dine with me in my house. How many of you have had lunch with the vice president? Anybody? How about the speaker of the house, third in command? No? Nobody? Here was Joseph, the second in command of the strongest and most important nation at the time because of the food. And they are being invited to his house to eat. And you know what they thought to themselves? He knows about the silver in our sacks. We're dead. He's going to wine us, dine us, and then... And so when they got to the house, they met him at the door and bowed down before him again. And Joseph went, yeah, there's my dream again, just like I predicted. And they gave him the twice the silver. And he said, oh, don't worry about that. God has blessed us. God has blessed you. Come in and eat. And you know what he did? He gave them a feast, and Benjamin got five times as much food as the brothers. And when they were done, he sold them grain and sent them off. Only, he put the money back in their sack again. And this time, he, he had one of the servants put the silver cup in Benjamin's sack. And he let him get off a waste, and then he sent his people after them said, you all have stolen from our master. And they opened the sack, and there was a silver cup. They said, you all can go, but Benjamin is going to prison for theft. And all the brothers returned to Joseph. And that's where our scripture kicks in. Joseph wanted to see what their brothers were going to do. And they came before Joseph, and once again they knelt down before him, and they said, we cannot return without Benjamin. Take one of us in his place and let him return to our father, or he will surely die. I think it was at that moment that Joseph realized that he wasn't the only one that had changed over all this time that his brothers had also changed. They were willing to take Benjamin's place, whereas before they might have given him up in a heartbeat. And when he saw that, he threw everybody out of the room, and the scripture says, he looked at them and said, I am Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. I am Joseph, your brother. And the scripture says they were afraid. If you sold your brother into slavery and then he was there dressed in royal robes and with the kind of power that Joseph had, you'd be afraid too. You'd be like, what is he going to do to us? And Joseph said, don't worry, because it wasn't you that sent me to Egypt. It was God. 
what you meant for bad, God has used to provide life to so many who would have starved in the middle of this famine. And don't, don't, even, don't even give it another thought. And the scripture says that he wept bitterly with them. And then when Pharaoh's people heard that this was Joseph's family, Pharaoh gave them animals to bring everybody back to Egypt. He gave them more grain than they ever needed for the journey and for when they got home. And he gave them each one a robe and five to Benjamin because Benjamin's the youngest and he's the spoiled favorite. And he sent them off. And before they got on the road, he said to them, now don't quarrel on the way about selling me because he knew they were going to do the blame game, right? Told you we shouldn't have sold him. He said, just go, get dad. Get everybody in the family, all the slaves, all the children, and their children, and their children, and bring everybody back. Because there's still five years of famine. And here, God is going to provide for the whole family. I know at times we might feel like we aren't sure where God is taking us or why. There are times when things seem to be going well and all of a sudden we hit a prison again and we get demoted again to serving somewhere where we didn't want to be or doing something that we didn't want to do. But I want to reassure you that God always has a plan in everything. That God can use even the worst of circumstances for our good or for the good of others around us. But we have to learn to be faithful to God no matter whether we're serving Pharaoh or serving the warden. No matter whether we are in riches or in poverty. We have to learn to be obedient to God and not sin before him. Not give in to temptation to take the easy road. It would have been easy for Joseph at any point in this journey to go, God has forsaken me. I'm just going to survive and do whatever it takes. But Joseph would not compromise his faith and trust in God or his integrity in order to do that. I don't know what road you're on or where God has taken you, but I do know that he is faithful and he will get you to where he wants to take you. It might take a while. It did for Joseph. And it took a lot of hardship. But at the end, God redeemed it all, reunited his whole family, and brought them to a place where they could experience blessing for quite a long time before they had to experience more hardship in Egypt. I pray that we are trusting God in the journey and that we are going where he leads us, and that we are being obedient to whatever he calls us to. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you for Joseph's story. I thank you, O oh Lord, because we learn from his example about forgiveness, about grace, about redemption, 
about how you can use even negative circumstances, O oh Lord, to be a blessing to us. I ask you, O oh Lord, that you will continue to accompany each and every one of us in this journey we, we call life. That, O oh Lord, if anybody in here is in prison right now, that you will exalt them to right under the warden, that you will give them authority and power to be able to come out of those circumstances. But also, O oh Lord, that you will help them to see that wherever we are, we are to be a blessing and to follow you. I ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us to be good stewards of all the blessings that you've given us and that you will continue to lead our way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The altar is open this morning if you would like to come up for prayer. To ask God to just continue to help you in your journey as you find your place and your purpose in God.